Howdy, folks. This is Chris White, managing partner at White Law Office and host of Basic Business Advice. Have our esteemed panel with us again, Ken Hostetler, attorney, partner at White Law Office and former business owner of Trademark Exteriors, leader in uh, his own right in the community here in homes and surrounding areas. We have Dan Oalabi with Oalabi Leadership and Branches Worldwide, speaker, author, teacher, coach, all around great guy bringing his skill and experience to this. And Jordan Mullet, who's a coach, owner of the Ruby Group and uh, who does Sandler training and leader in the community and owner of the Berlin Escape Room, where he taxes people's brains to think of creative ways out, which is exactly where we're heading in basic business advice. Creative solutions for problems that while we've made them up, often land with somebody about a real situation they're going through. So what is today's scenario? It's long shot LTD. Ed and Terry are your classic dreamers. They were going to start off with their next industry disrupting software out of their garage, and they were going to create this uh, software empire. They were, had some early success in some of their designs and what their potential they were showing for what they could do. Enough success that they were able to court and convince relatives, friends, local community leaders to invest in their startup. While they were great designers, what's really happened after four years is understanding they're pretty lousy businessmen. They've often found that they burn through money they raised faster than they had, quote, planned, unquote. Longshot LTD was always on the edge of having no money, and more than a couple times the company had less than $100 to its name. Because of the infrequency of their ability to pay on time, they've had a revolving door of independent designers that have helped them uh, build the product. Four years into this, and Ed is starting to show strain of constant pressure, and Terry is getting fed up with the constant lack of capital. The product is receiving mixed early reviews, but they can't seem to get it out of beta testing. The strain and tension are making them angry at each other, and their communication is starting to break down. One of the investors, Phyllis, she's come to you guys, and she says, I heard you guys are really good at helping guys walk through some difficult spots. Would you be willing to step in and talk with Ed and Terry? Obviously, Phyllis has money on the line. She's interested in the fact that, you know, hey, we'd like to get a return on this, and I think they've got something that might work here, but they're just at each other's throats. So she's asked the three of you to sit down with Ed and Terry, and Ed and Terry have given permission to this. Obviously, they want to keep their investor happy if possible. And sit down with Ed and Terry and talk about Longshot and see if you can give them some advice that might heal their relationship, might get their business back on track, and hopefully move them forward towards the launch with this product. You guys enter the room. At our fictional restaurant, you kind of got a side room where you could have a little bit more private conversation this time away from everybody else. And you come in and the tension in the room is palpable. They are having a difficult time being around each other. Uh, you guys are sharing a cup of coffee. How do you start this conversation? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in here. I think one of the first things that you're going to have to do is, is set the table of making sure that they understand that things... Uh, probably shouldn't continue this way. And in order to change this cycle, uh, there's going to be some really difficult conversations. And just putting that out there, making sure that they understand that you're there to to help the situation, 
help them try to find answers, but making sure that they understand that it's not going to be an easy fix and it's not going to be something that, hey, you know what, we can do X, Y, and Z and, and all of these issues are going to go away. It's going to take a lot of work. So that's where the conversation starts for me. Well, Ken, as you're saying this, you're talking to them about this, their body language, both of them, they're on opposite sides of the table, not even sitting next to each other, arms crossed, legs crossed, sitting back. They haven't even touched their drinks yet. And you can tell they're here because they're trying to keep their investor happy. It's going to be a hard conversation. Who goes, who goes next? Who goes from there? I just keep thinking, uh, this is a little bit like in Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> they said, we should send them a message. And the other person looks around the apartment. It's a mess. It's, there's nothing there. And says, I don't think they're going to get the message. One of my favorite scenes. This is like, they're not going to get this message. Like this is, in my mind, this is time for shock and awe there's going to have to be some drastic things to be able to get them out of the pattern that they're in. I mean, we're four years deep here. It's just, this is not a problem that has just developed overnight. They are so deep into this. My, my first response, if, if, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to say, how are we walking out of this meeting and the two of you are not fired from the company? Something's got to happen. Something's got to be jolted here at this point because something, this is a wild scenario. Yeah, I would think so. I would think so too. I mean, if their arms are crossed and they don't fully see the urgency of the situation, then you've got to bring the energy. You've got to bring the urgency. And I think one of the best ways to do that is to just line up results versus what the expectations were. You know, they told their investors they would have this by this date and it's way past this date and here's what they have to show for it. I mean, other than a pile of excuses, like what else do you have to demonstrate that you've actually done what you promised your friends and family that you would do? And I think at some point, if it's not about the business, right, it's not about the results and they can't see that results aren't coming, then it becomes about their character. It becomes about their integrity, their ability to do what they said they were going to do. And I think when you talk about integrity and character with anybody, then that's, that's a red flag for people because then it's, it's different than just mechanics. Now it's about like who you are and your ability to deliver results to people after you promise and they invest in you, not just the company, but you. And so I would go right there, I would go with what Jordan said, and I would have a, I would a clear red flag, and I would start pointing out flaws in their integrity and their character if they weren't able to see the idea that they hadn't delivered results for the organization. So I, I'm just going to throw this back to the, the two of you. So I, I understand the, the, the shock and awe and saying, okay, well, maybe you guys are fired. This is an investor. This investor probably doesn't know anything about the day-to-day -day operations of the company. In addition, they probably have personal money on the line. So she says, okay, you're out. Where does it go from here? I think that's part of the problem is nobody's had the courage to say this four years in. And there's a, a big difference between founders building a job versus building a business. When they build a job, that means they're going to go in and they're going to do things to sustain what they're doing. They're going to continue to invest their time poorly. They're going to spend it in the wrong times. You know, nobody is owning the plan for the capital investment. Nobody has been called on account of, you know, held accountable when that plan is not going according to things. They're not managing themselves. Building a business is completely different. That's the ability to have objective mindsets towards everything that's happening. And as long as they're not objective, as long as they're not building a business, we cannot continue to go this way. Something has to change drastically. And that's what's so difficult here. If it, the fact that it took four years to get to this point means that most people involved are not going to be have the guts to do what's really necessary. 
and to really make the big changes. So I, even in this, I'm getting a little bit lost because this is like, this is deep waters. This is very difficult. I had a friend of mine one time who said that um, confusion in itself is its, is its own answer. If, if an investor steps into the situation and they're confused about what's going on, they don't know who's in charge, they don't know what the plan is going forward, that's a really clear answer that it's time for the investor to get out and just say, look, if I don't have clarity right now by the end of this meeting, I'm done. I mean, that, that in itself is a good enough answer for the investor to pull out. And so I think ultimately, Phyllis needs to draw a line in the sand and say, here's what I need to know by the end of this meeting. And if I don't see it and I don't get it, then I just want to let you guys know in about 45 minutes when this meeting is done, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm walking, I'm out. And I'm going to tell all the investors that I'm out too, just to put some urgency on the table. So let's say you're Phyllis and you have 100000 on the line and you know, if I walk away, I'm never getting that money back. You comfortable with that? I think Phyllis, when she made the investment, she knew that from the get-go. You know, the company's called Longshot. And so if she's willing to invest $100,000 in Longshot, I mean, at some point she has to realize that, okay, I might not see this back. I mean, that's, that's the investment she's willing to make. In the midst of you guys talking about this and going back and forth with Ed and Terry, they, you see a light start to come back on in, uh, in their eyes because they start talking about the potential. They start talking about the product. They start talking about what this thing can do. There's an agreement someplace deep inside of them that this is an idea that could land. But then that sours as they start sniping at each other. You get a moment and a glimpse uh, that they really truly believe that this is something that could upset the industry. This is something that could turn things around and that they could do this. But then they start sniping. They start sniping about, oh, well, he overpromised, you know, to the investors. Well, he's not working as hard as I am. You know, you start getting this back and forth going on. What do you guys see really happening there? What do you, what's really going on? Well, I think that's one of the most common things. Uh, anytime that there's, there's difficult things is, we look to blame others for the situation that we're in as much human nature as it gets really. I mean, and that's what I would guess in, in this situation is it's much easier to blame someone else than to take ownership for whatever you were supposed to be doing. You know, we all watch this on Shark Tank all the time. It's kind of fun because they'll boil it down and they'll just give you five minutes of a, you know, maybe a two, three hour conversation, but you watch the owner that or the founder that comes in has a great idea. But when it comes to business, they don't have a clue and they are at a complete loss. And I, there's no question that that's what's happening here. These are not business people. They're passionate about a product. And the first mistake was that they were the ones that were in charge. And I think that's one of the hardest things that we do as business owners is, is being willing to say, I'm not good at this and I'm going to have to bring somebody else in. You know, you think about all the money that's gone through this company. They could have brought somebody else in. And I think that's the only way that's going to go forward is if they really get fired from leadership and investors are willing to put money towards putting somebody in charge. And that might have to be the investor. They might have to come in. If that 100000 if they want to see that money come out, they might have to jump in. Because I don't think it's a matter of knowing the business. It, good, good management can come in and start figuring some things out and saying, this needs to happen, holding people accountable, changing the culture and the environment of the business. I've got to ask, so all these tech companies that are being run by guys that were the founders in the startup and were never business owners, there's some of them that seem to be doing pretty good. But that's, that, that's rare. You look at a Michael Dell that started his business in, a, in his college dorm room and grew it to a billion-dollar business. 
you know, those are, there's reasons that books are written about those guys because it's so unique. Most founders do not have the capacity to have the idea and grow that business and continue to succeed. They're going to have to hire incredible people around them. They're going to have to continuously get out of the weeds. They're going to continuously have to give up what they love doing and be able to shift and evolve. And that, that is hard. You look at the, the guy that cuts grass. He can be really good at cutting grass. He's got lots of good customers. And then he decides, well, I've got more people knocking on my door. I can't do it. So he goes and hires other people to help him cut grass. But what he discovers is he doesn't want to manage people. He wants to cut grass because that's what he's good at. That's a huge shift. And most people really just struggle with that shift. And I think that's what we have here. They're not willing to be business owners, presidents, CEOs, managers. They want to go design a product. So they have to choose. What are they going to do? Now, Dan, you wrote a book. And I know we've talked about the book on multiple occasions, Authentic Leadership. What does that mean for somebody who's a founder, but honestly, they're not a leader? What does it mean to be authentic in that situation? Yeah, yeah. One of the keys of authentic, of authentic leadership is understanding what the people around you need and then being able to deliver that. And if you're the person that actually delivers that, then great. But if you have to go out and find somebody who's better at that thing than you are and put them in that seat and then give them an opportunity to thrive and grow so they can serve the organization, that's even better. And just like Jordan said, more often than not, the very best founders are the ones that realize at some point they've got to get out of their own way. They're really good at ideas or they're really good at starting things. But if you let them run loose in the house, they're like a fire out of control and they'll just like burn the whole house down. And so the best leaders are the ones that are able to say, okay, I, I've really kind of reached my capacity in this sphere. I need to push myself over to this place and stop. Just like Jordan, again, just like Jordan said, I mean, if you're the kind of guy who wants to do a lawn mowing business and you want to cut grass and you hire a bunch of people and you still want to cut grass, fine, go cut grass, but hire a manager to lead your team. Don't act like you can lead the team when your team actually needs someone who has a higher capacity than what you can offer. We all have skills in certain areas and we're all very good at certain things. Find that thing and utilize that to help the team and then find other people who can deliver what the team needs. Ken, how, how important it is to not undercut the fact that in that moment, you were talking to Ed and Terry, and you saw that light come on in their eyes as they were talking about their product, and they really believe that. How important is that to their success up front? Oh, it's, it's hugely important because if they're no longer excited about being there, then I think, then I think you've got to look at what Jordan said earlier about saying you've got to go. But in my opinion, if there's a light that's still shining and, and they, can, they can still be excited about this, then the conversation can be, okay, how can we get you help? And that can be a difficult conversation because help often costs money. But how can we get you the help that you need that this becomes a successful team as to what Dan and Jordan are talking about versus you guys running the business? But if the light's gone, I mean, quite literally lights out. Well, well interesting. Think, Go ahead, Dan. Well, I think to jump on to what Ken said, I think another question you have to ask yourself when you're talking to both guys in the room, you have to ask yourself whether or not they have any momentum at all. Like whether or not anything is moving forward, whether they have energy and enthusiasm for what they're doing, just like the spark in their eyes that we're looking for. I mean, if there is no enthusiasm in building a business, like if they're not interested in sort of shifting seats. They're not interested in doing something different. They just want to do a job, like Jordan said. They like to tinker. They want to be a part of that part of things, but they're not interested in scaling. Then again, it becomes a really easy decision to pull out because if this dog is dead, then all the money and all the effort and all the work in the world 
is not going to bring that dog back to life. It is dead, and it's been dead for a couple of years. You're just now figuring it out. You know, one of the things I'm wrestling with here is I, I don't know how many times I've been asked by a small business owner, well, how will I know when to hire? And it's such, so many times it's hard to know when to give something up. How, how do you guys deal with that? How do you deal with the fact that, you know, th- these guys should have given things up a long time ago, but they wrestled with it. Either they didn't see it or they made the decision that we can't afford it. That's a tough place to be in as a, as a business owner. What, what's your guys' answer? And I know I'm putting you on the spot here. How do you know? I, I, don't think you, I don't think you do know. I don't think that you're ever very sure. I think when you make a big hire, especially in a situation like this, you pull the trigger, you cross your fingers, and you hope, A, that it's the right time to hire, and B, that you actually hire the right person. If things don't go right, down the line, you're oftentimes never really sure if it was the person or it was the timing. You don't really know what was wrong. So that's the risk associated with being a business owner. But I think there are moments when you realize that you are, um, to answer your question, there's moments you realize that you're, you're not swimming in the right pool. You're not working on the right things. The business is suffering because you're not focused on the thing that you're good at. And the moment you have an opportunity to scale up or even like a small window to say, okay, I think this is time to maybe hire someone. If you're the, if you're the entrepreneurial, ambitious sort of person, I think you give it a shot and you see if we can scale and you try to find the right person, do the very best you can put them in position, give them an opportunity to succeed, and then assess from there. But the moment you pull the trigger, you're not going to get certainty. There really is no way to know until maybe a couple months down the line if it was the right decision. I want to land this plane here, and I want to make a couple of leaps and assumptions here. Let's say that you guys have been able to get Ed and Terry to a place of dialogue and conversation. You've identified some of the issues. You've identified some of the stressor points. And let's even say, for the purposes of our scenario here, you're getting them to a point of understanding this. One of them needs to be out telling the story and the other one is really just needs to be driving this software design home and getting this thing to beta launch. And you've got them understanding, you're the founders, you're the idea guys, you're the storyteller, get out and do that. We're gonna go back to Phyllis and we're gonna tell you, Phyllis, are you in for a penny and for a pound on this? Are you willing to help get the right person in here to manage this business? Because you've got them to a point of being able to talk. You've got them to a point. The next step is going back to Phyllis on this point and asking her, how do you guys go back on that end? How do you go back to the vested party who came to you in the first place and say, look, these guys have said they can do this, but they're going to need this to make it happen. Do you feel confident in going back and hurt to her and telling her that? Well, what I'm struggling with is the fact that past behavior almost always pre- predicts future behavior. And when I've seen poor behavior over and over, lack of accountability, lack of following through on a plan, lack of following the plan, I have a hard time going back to Phyllis and say, well, this is going to be different because this, this, and this has happened. I'm not going to vouch for them, right? That's going to be a bet that she's going to have to put on. I would not have an issue with it from the standpoint of, I think you look at the risk reward. So let's say she had 100,000 on the line before. She has the option of saying, I'm going to walk away from 100000 or I'm going to invest 25000 to get them additional help and then have the possibility to get her entire investment back. So I think I, I would look at it purely from a number standpoint of saying, okay, well, I'm going to take a shot on this, but I'm going to put this much money on it. And if it doesn't work out at this, clearly that's my answer. Uh, otherwise, I'm, I'm at peace with it. And this and- honestly comes back to, 
is a lot of times, and we watch this on Shark Tank all the time, is how much of the majority ownership do you have? And that's why there's times that they will absolutely not go into a business without having full control because they know of all those dangers. And that's exactly where we're at right now is the wrong person was in charge. So Dan, you've got Jordan who's not so sure about this. You got Ken going, hey, let's do the math. And if this makes sense, let's do this. Where do you land? Phyllis is looking at you guys and coming back, kind of post-oping this. And she's heard from two sides that are like weighing this. Where, do, you, do you break that tie? How do you break it? Yeah, I think I would have made the decision before I came back to Phyllis already and had my mind made up. I would have made up my mind in the conversation with those guys. And honestly, um, I tend to use, when I'm working with people, working with clients, I tend to use three criteria to help me understand whether or not this person is fit for what I'm asking them to do. If the acronym is helpful. It's SAD. They have to be sincere to start out with. They got to really want to change, right? So that's the first thing. If I can tell they're sincere, then okay, that's the first test. They actually have to have the ability to change. So they have to know, like, at the end of the day, like, if I have to make hard changes, I can actually do this. And then the last one is durability. Over time, can they actually demonstrate that they can change? So in the meeting, they can't just demonstrate durability, but they can demonstrate sincerity, and then they can have an understanding of what steps they need to take next to right the ship. If they're not sincere, and they don't know what to do next, that makes its own decision. I'm like, okay, this is fine. You know, and then I can go to Phyllis and say, these aren't the right guys. And then, you know, Phyllis can decide if she wants to put $25,000 in to fix this, or if she wants to leave. But we can't run with these guys anymore because they don't have the sincerity, the ability, or heck not their ability to make this happen. Well, guys, thank you so much for uh, your contributions, everything that you added to this. And speaking of running with this, listeners, we're now in episode six of Basic Business Advice. And we appreciate so much the fact that if you subscribe, rate, and review Basic Business Advice and that you share it out with folks that you think it might land with. Uh, on behalf of Jordan Mullet. Ken Hosteller, and Dan Oalabi. Thank you so much. This is Chris White. We'll talk to you next time.